Are you working? What kind of work do you do? is the pesky little pieces in the middle. This is what it's going to take for you to finish your masterpiece. Motivation and inspiration will come and go over and over again. But until you dedicate yourself to putting together all of the pieces, no matter how long it takes, you'll never get to that final vision. On today's episode, we address some of the most frequently asked questions from people looking to get into the health and fitness industry. We had a Merry Christmas. We had a Happy New Year. Let's get to the show. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Health and Hustle podcast. On today's episode, we have an awesome influx of questions from a few young guys that we're going to get into. And uh, I think we'll be able to give you guys some really good insight on a few of these things. This is Todd Sable, as always, with my co-host, Corey Carpenter. Um, On behalf of both of us, we just want to wish you guys, hope you guys had an awesome Christmas. Um, And as we get into the new year, we talked about goals in the last episode. So we hope you guys took a lot of value from that episode as we are sitting here basically two days out um, as we're doing this from the new year. We hope you guys are uh, getting geared up for that. So before we get into the actual episode, let's check in with my co-host, Corey. Corey, how are you doing this evening? Hey, man. I'm doing good. Thanks for the intro. Um, everyone, excited as hell. 2019 is officially here. Like Todd said, if you hadn't listened to our last episode, go back and re-listen to the last episode um, and then come back to this one because it was all about goals and goal setting. And if you're listening to this and you haven't set your goals yet for 2019, you're behind schedule and you've got to get on that as soon as possible. Other than that, though, kind of moving forward, awesome Christmas, awesome New Year, obviously. Reflecting uh, is over and it's now looking forward to the next 12 months. Um, and I'm excited, man. I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited too, man. I, uh, basically have most of my stuff done for my goals. Um, I used a lot of the stuff that we talked about in our episode, a lot of the stuff I got from you, some things I've been talking to some other people about the way I'm going to kind of set them up. And I got a pretty unique way of doing that. Um, and maybe we can talk about that at some point here in the future too. But, um, yeah, with this episode, I'm really excited because, um, had a pretty, pretty cool experience this past week. Um, there's a couple guys here at the high school I work at who are, you know, big, big fans of Corey. Um, they're always asking me for some of the get stack workouts just to kind of get an edge and kind of see what we do. And, uh, yeah, they, they came to the, the gym actually, they're on break right now. So they came to the gym three days this week, which is really cool, real small town, rural area here. So I'm just trying to help get, get them some exposure and some experience outside of the small town, which a lot of you guys who are listening to this can relate to. Um, and they had a really, really cool experience. Um, and, but they're very young, just like uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys who are listening are. So, and they had a ton of questions for us. So we're, we're going to kind of go through that today. Um, just basically shooting questions back and forth. Some of these guys had and some of the questions we got from IG as well. Um, just to give some insight. I mean, this is, uh, we've, we've talked about, I mean, a lot of things from beginning to end in terms of where we are in our journey. Um, and a lot of these questions are very, very um, beginner based, not, not that's a bad thing at all because a lot of people are just still at that point or getting to that point. So um, we're just gonna go back and forth and hopefully we can provide you guys some value. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, just like the time of year it is, like we kind of said, um, talking off, off the air, like people are getting geared up and excited for their new health journeys, you know, whether it's weight loss, eat better, diet, any kind of thing. And with that, you know, um, 
trainers, um, coaches, different things. People are kind of revamping their processes, getting their systems in place and kind of, you know, leveling up the businesses and trying to take that next step forward too, just like everyone else is in the world. So it's just been a really good and exciting time for um, our colleagues, you know, because we obviously being in the industry have a lot of friends and um, acquaintances that are kind of doing similar things as us. And, you know, I think anyone listening to this and you and I both would um, all agree that no one is very secretive or afraid to share any knowledge or any tips or little things that they've picked up on. And I've had a lot of conversations recently within the last, you know, few weeks or a month with a lot of other trainers, just kind of bouncing ideas back and forth and telling what's worked and what hasn't worked and just doing anything we can to help each other. Um, so kind of excited to uh, kind of dive into this, you know, I love talking, obviously we're on here. So anything we can do to kind of put out some, some different little pointers that maybe people haven't, heard or thought of yet uh, would be beneficial yeah that's it that's uh some good insight course i think let's, let's get straight into it I'll, I'll ask the first question because this one directly applies to you more than it does me so um the first question we had was what is the best pt certification to have or to get uh i get this question a lot surprisingly and it's going to vary based off of the individual and i say that only because there's a, a decent number of states in the United States that don't even legally require a certification. So Ohio specifically, you do not legally have to have a certification to be a personal trainer. Um, with that being said, if you were to go to most gyms in Ohio, the gym owner or the franchise or whatever, they're going to require you to have that to work there. And it's not a you know legality liability thing. It's just more of a professional credibility thing. So um, do the research in your state, see what the, the, um, you know, the legal terms are there. But with that being said, even though Ohio doesn't require one, I got one and I would suggest everyone get one if you want to be a personal trainer for a multitude of reasons, um, being, you know, one, credibility. Uh, two, if you want to actually be taken seriously, then take your shit seriously. Um, and just, you know, so on and so forth without rambling about that other shit any longer. There is like four to five that are pretty well known and, and um, well heard of. And um, I'll just kind of rattle those off real quick just because, you know, if you're listening, I mean, you can Google this, like this isn't very hard to figure out, but um, the first one is ACE and that's what I have. And I got this certification. Literally the reason I got this one is because my buddy Pat got his certification before me. And I said, yo, what certification did you get? He, he said, I got the ACE. I liked it. Okay. I bought it and I got it. That's all it is to it. Like it doesn't fucking matter in my opinion. ACE is, uh, stands for the American council on exercise. I really liked this certification certification. They're all online based, but this one had all the modules laid out for you in a curriculum style. You could navigate through each module chronologically. Um, and there was video tutorials and quizzes with each module. And then once you got to the end, each like chapter per se or whatever had their test. And then after you finished your complete coursework, um, there was practice tests and study tests that you could take before you actually took the written or, you know, the certification thing. Um, it was really beneficial. I liked it a lot. Um, it came with like two books that I've got now. Um, and like I said, no complaints uh, with that one at all. Um, the second one is the NASM. It's NASM. It's the National Academy of Sports Medicine. 
Again, I don't know much about this one. I just know that uh, our buddy Lake has this one and he didn't have any complaints about it at all. Uh, the third one is the ISSA. This is International Sports Sciences Association. This one's super um, legit. I know Grace and Lois, he has this one. So if you guys have any questions about this one, you could probably hit him up. It seems like this one is extremely like educational based, which is awesome. I really like that. Um, I think it's a lot more time involved too, though. It's almost like an actual school. Um, but that's all I know about that one. The other one that I've heard a lot of is the ACSM. It's the American College of Sports Medicine. Uh, I don't really know a whole lot about this one, but I've seen this one around or behind people's names a decent amount. Um, so I don't really have anything to speak on in terms of that one. And then the last one that I've seen around, but not a whole lot, and I'm not sure if this goes more with to like a um, CSCS type thing, but it's National Strength and Conditioning Association. So that's the last one that's kind of like nationally recognized. So that's the thing that you want to look for. All five of these that I just listed are nationally recognized, no matter, no matter where you go in the country, these are going to be recognized and observed. Whereas you could find like a small Mickey Dink one off the internet and get it but it may not be like recognized in certain states as credible or um, good enough, I guess. Yeah, um, I think, I th and I don't know a ton about it. I know a little bit about it. Um, the, C the CSCS one is pretty specific in terms of the population that you wanna be working with if you, if you end up or to, get, to get that one. Um, I would recommend if you're looking to be a PT um, and you, or, a personal trainer and you wanted to get into the field, I definitely recommend getting one of those, one of those first four you talked about carp as a more of a general kind of blanket certification. And if you want to specialize in strength, strength conditioning or strength training with like, you know, athletic teams or whatever, or if you want to have your own place, then you can kind of go on to the CSCS, but I would definitely recommend getting a, a personal training certification first. Um, I don't know what your opinion is on that, but that's, that's just kind of my thoughts on that too. Yeah. It's great. Um, one thing too that all of these have is like a general blanket person training certification and then they all have their specialties so you can get okay you, know, a you can become a specialist in x y or z it could be anywhere from nutrition to senior citizen training to adolescent training to mm. um you know disability just different things you can kind of get branch off just like most things and then on top of that they all have continuing education credits that you have to do biannually or annually, however it's set up. I know ACE is biannually. You have to have, you know, 24 credits. Like most, most professions have things like that, um, but they also provide them, I think, you know, so I know ACE provides the CEs so I could go right in, you know, since I bought ACE. So they don't cost extra. They do. They have free ones. They have some yeah. that are free, but yeah. they do also cost and you can, I mean, they range in prices and they range in credits, you know, so the cheap ones are like a one credit and then there's more expensive ones that you could get all 24 at one time, or you could do a specialist course, which will give you all of your credits. Um, but the thing that's nice with like ACE is if I got my certification through ACE and then I can go in and take the ACE modules for their, my CEs, it tracks all of that for me. I take that quiz right at the same login that I took my original test from. It tracks your CEs for you. Um, they have their own ACE database. So like, just say if someone in Columbus was to get on and like Google that they're looking for a personal trainer, um, if an ACE headline or whatever pops up on Google, um, I've had people tell me that they've actually found me through ACEs like website as a personal trainer in Columbus. So there's just different perks and things like that, which I haven't utilized because I just haven't felt the need to do that. 
but there's ways, you know, there's little different things about each one that are kind of intricate and special to, you know, their organization. Cool. And uh, the last point I want to, I want to uh, kind of take on that is, you know, if you're, if you have anxiety about, you know, which one you're going to get, or you decide you're gonna, which one you want to try to pursue and you're worried about the test taking and stuff, and you're not a great test taker. They are, it's all online, right? And you can kind of go at your own pace cart. Yeah, they're all online. Um, they have a certain expiration, but it's not anything like it's like, it's a crazy um, big window. Okay. So it's not like you, I mean, you don't, you can't sit on it for five years, yeah. but you also don't have to have it done in a couple months. I will say just for people that are kind of get an idea of a timeline, um, you could get through, you could knock it all out comfortably if you actually like, studied and put your work in like it was an actual school um in less than three months um i think i did all my coursework in two months like i mean this was with me working two jobs i did like all my coursework in i think under three months i took an entire month off because i was prepping for a shoot and then i came back and studied for a couple weeks before i took my test so i mean you could bang it all out like in a in a month to three months or you could drag it out for six but it's not like it's something that's going to take a lot of time all right, so um, so we talked about that, which is surprisingly a question that we get a lot. Um, if you are still thinking about that question, don't put a lot of emphasis on it and don't spend a lot of time on that question. It's not really just do it. important. Just do something, yes. Um, the big thing that I don't get this question a lot, but it's something that I think gets overlooked so much by personal trainers. Um, and I don't want to say, I, you know, this isn't a blanket to all personal trainers. It could be athletic trainers, anything, is – you need to decide because um, with this career, with these careers, you do have the option. Do you want to be an employee or do you want to be the employer? And by employer, I don't mean you have staff under you. At some point you will, hopefully. But do you want to be self-employed or do you want to work for someone else? I think this gets overlooked so much. Um, people don't really think about it. Um, being an employee you know, you're a trainer at Lifetime Fitness. You're a trainer at Planet Fitness. Like you, you basically you punch in and out um, and you work your hours and then you leave. Um, being the employer or self-employed, you don't punch in or out. Um, you work for yourself. You know, obviously everyone knows, hopefully knows what self-employed means, but each one kind of has its, its advantages and disadvantages. Um, the, the main thing I want to touch on there before we kind of move on is like, you need to decide, like, do you want to just put in your hours and leave? Cause that, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to be self-employed, that's where, you know, that's where the personal training gig actually makes the money, but there's, it requires a lot more work, a lot more responsibility, a lot more hours. You know, there's way more that goes into that. If you want to actually make that real money, if you want to be a personal trainer, at least on fitness, you can, you can do that. But just know that you're going to be, you know, you're going to be getting what's left um, after they get all their money. Oh, I, I like that differentiation, Carp. I appreciate that. And I think that, like you said, something that's overlooked a lot. And, um, you know, as I mean, and you don't have to have all the answers when you start. Don't don't overanalyze it. I know, Carp, you say you do that quite a bit. Um, just just, you know, give certification, get started. You can kind of figure out stuff as you go. But you want to as you're gradually developing how you want to do this and where you want to go in your path you have to realize, do you want to be an employer? Do you want to be an employee? Um, I mean, that, that'll determine a lot of how you, basically how you go about your day, how you go about your business and what you're, what you're going to try to develop. So 
Yeah, if you're someone coming out of school or college or something without any job at all and you want to go straight into personal training, I think, um, honestly, in my personal opinion, go to the route of either interning under someone or going to um, personal training at like a big box gym like Lifetime Fitness, LA Fitness, or Crunch or something. Uh, I say that because, you know, there's going to be less stress. You're going to get, you know, you're going to be getting a paycheck regardless. I don't know how that works in terms of it's per hours or per clients or commission or what, but you're going to be getting some money. You're going to be around people that have been doing it. You're going to get to learn some, some of how the business works in terms of marketing and clientele. Um, you're going to get to be around, you know, spend your time in the gym and see um, other trainers work. Um, you're going to get to, kind of relieve some of the stress that comes with being self-employed. So you don't have too much on your plate at once. It's kind of like we tell uh, clients, you know, figure out your training and then your nutrition or your nutrition and training, not everything at once. This kind of lets you do that. You kind of get sample sizes of everything without getting too overwhelmed. Um, for me personally, I already had a full-time job. I have, I was already an employee. I've been working at the hospital for eight years now. Um, I've spent the last 15 years in the gym. Like I wasn't, I didn't need, I didn't, had no desire to go work for someone else in the gym. I was either going to make it work on my own or it wasn't going to work. Um, so that's just kind of a self-awareness and evaluation of where you're at in terms of your life. Cool. Yeah. You just got to keep evaluating as you go along. See if it's the key. Yeah. What's the next question, Carl? Um, how do you stay up to date on current fitness trends? good question so um and I, I think a lot of i think one thing we've got we've gotten into with social media being like what it is and it's a good thing it's a really good thing in some aspects another thing it's not really great at all is i think a lot of people try to look towards instagram or whatever for the coolest mobility tip or and i you know i, I do those every week but um they try to you know find a quick the quick one minute video or 30 second video on um you know, this is what I should be doing with my client, not, you know, tomorrow. This I should be doing this movement. It looks cool. The, the best way I stay up, up to date on fitness and specifically more of the sports medicine realm that I look for is, um, and as simple as this sounds, like I've subscribed to like three or four like sports medicine-based research companies that send out research studies that come out every week. And then they have like a take-home message for each one. So like if I'm like – you know, press for time or whatever, and I can't read, you know, a 20 page article, like I can at least look at the take home message and then see, you know, okay, that sounds like something I want to read. And I can go back to it when I have time. Or if it's something like, okay, I kind of already knew that. That's not really adding any value to what I, you know, what I need to learn, what I already know, then I can kind of just move on to the next one. Um, <clears throat> some other things that I do, just step in the in, up to date is at, you know, looking for actual articles, like, um, specifically functional evaluation, functional or extremity evaluation is something that I look to specialize in something I, I enjoy. And I think it's very much needed, especially in the population I'm working with right now. Um, I literally just go out, go on to either Google scholar is one, but it's quick and easy, or I, I still have access to my OU, uh, database. So I'll go into the library and some of the, some of the, uh, the medical journals and look, look towards those things because I mean, there's constantly research coming out. And even though not everything you're going to read is going to benefit you, it'll give you more insight into, you know, where, maybe where is this, where is this heading or what's the, what's the next greatest thing that's going to help with anterior cruciate ligament injuries or recovery or rehabs or whatever. Um, and, and I would say too, 
just because I see so many different things every day. And, you know, if, whether it's whatever profession you're in, like if I see a kid with like, I, I have a kid right now, I post about on, on, on social media quite a bit that um, towards ACL didn't get surgery and wanted to play basketball. So like I was, I was researching like a crazy person on what's the best way to conservatively treat a fully torn ACL, you know, which, which is tough to do. Um, but I've, I've had, you know, separated shoulders, um, concussions, you know, I'm o- always looking up new concussion research because that's the kind of the, one of the, st- I mean, it's, it's going to be a mainstream topic for the next two, three, four decades, probably just because of all the, the things that go along with it. But, um, without, without kind of reiterating myself quite a bit, I mean, I just, I just go towards the, the research articles because the profession I'm in is a lot of evidence-based practice. Um, that's kind of where the profession is. That's where I see it going for a long time. So you want to make sure if you're an athletic trainer in sports med field, I mean, really anything too, because you want to make sure you're doing the right things. Um, you want to stay up to date on the latest research and making sure, making sure you're doing things the right way. Um, because especially in my field, you know, if you, if you're not doing a ton of things with research behind it or evidence-based practice, um, I mean, that could hold you liable if something were to go wrong long-term. So, um, it's a good way to kind of cover your butt too. But like I said, uh, art, scholarly articles are a big thing I do just to kind of keep educating myself. And then, um, like I said, just, I mean, if you have something you're interested in, like if it's a website or some type of source on the internet, I mean, if they have a you know weekly or monthly newsletter, just subscribe to it and see what, see what you like. If you don't like it, you can just unsubscribe. I mean, it's that simple. So um, just make sure you know where you're getting your information from, if it's valid, if it's credible. And um, don't just look up the, the next 30-second video on Instagram you see and use it with a client tomorrow. Yeah, the one thing I liked about it is the question was, fitness trends and that's the thing that you see all the time on this trend like what's the next big trend or whatever it may be and that's the thing is trends I guess maybe come and go or don't last or they're not real um so you got to figure out I think it's super niche based like you said like for athletic training it's very evidence-based practice very research-based if you're a personal trainer or a coach and you're coaching powerlifting you know, you're going to want to learn from powerlifters. You're going to want to learn leverages. You need to actually learn the muscles and the tendons and the attachments. There's way, I mean, the powerlifters are some of like the West side people I've ever talked to are some of the smartest motherfuckers I've ever met in terms of talking body. Like people don't realize the, the biomechanics and stuff that go into that kind of stuff. They just think they're big, strong, fat people. And it's not true. So it's, it's super niche based. Um, for me personally, um, my niche um, which we can, I think we should talk about a little bit later. Um, but mine is like lifestyle habit, you know, um, sustainability, like healthy living. Um, I kind of fell into that. And for me, that is more, that's why I study a lot more. I call it human psychology, but it's just more mental growth and development, um, lifestyle habits. And the way I can stay up to date on lifestyle habits is like living the life that I'm trying to help my the other people live. You know, I learned the most of my stuff from other trainers. So where do I want to be in 10 to 20 years? That's who I'm learning from. I'm learning from Corey G Fitness. I'm learning from Hannah Eden. I'm learning from people like John Russin. I'm learning from these other people that have been doing it for as long as I've maybe been alive. You know, I'm learning from these people. And then I'm kind of filtering through everything and giving it to my clients at the stage of their life that they need it for. Um, So it's just going to be super niche based. You know, if you want to train a youth soccer athlete, you're going to learn from different people. You know, like we said, then if you're going to be training a powerlifter or 
you know, a basketball player, you know, it's all going to be different. Yeah. I like that. It, like, like you said, carpet, just, it, it's all specific to what you're doing. And I mean, it's always, it's always good to kind of be somewhat well-rounded. So, I mean, if, you know, I mean, the stuff that we're going to be researching carp is going to overlap at some point. So you want to make sure you're not, you're not just staying in. Like I, like I was talking about the lower extremity functional eval stuff, like even though that's kind of like one of the places I like excel in and I enjoy, I'm not only looking up ACL prevention programs or functional evaluation, like I'm looking up other things too. Um, so, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all in the healthcare, we're all in the fitness industry. So stuff we're going to be looking at is going to overlap. Obviously, we're going to specialize in things, but you guys want to make sure that you're developing a foundation, especially if you're young and you're listening to this and you're that same person who's looking what PT certification to have. You, you just need to be trying to absorb as much as you can. And, and, and I mean, another, another great way to do that is just surrounding yourself with people who, um, like, like Carp said, have been in the industry doing it, doing it for a long time but then people with different backgrounds as well. Should you hear your answer to this? So if you, if you were to hire a PT Carp, what would you look for in a PT? Good question. I've actually, honestly, this is the first time I've ever heard this question. So I should have spent more time thinking about it, but um, I think the person needs to be relevant. So just like we've said for our goal setting, it needs to be relevant. Um, there's, there's pluses and minuses to this, I guess I should say. So if you look at like most coaches and professional athletes or professional sports, you know, a lot of times, you know, the coach played the sport, but a lot of times the coaches were, you know, the sixth or seventh man on the team or, you know, the 12th man, the coaches weren't always necessarily like, they've always had a passion and a love for the game, but they weren't always the best at it. Um, If I said that right, you know, I hope that makes sense. So I don't want to say like, if you're, looking to hire a personal trainer to lose weight, you need to have like a person with the most ripped abs. Um, or maybe you don't have to, if you want to be a powerlifter, you don't have to hire the coach that, you know, has the, the hundred percent, you know, you're not going to hire a coach that has maybe the strongest deadlift. It's going to be the coach that can teach the deadlift the best, if that makes sense. Um, but I think above everything you need to, it needs to be someone that you like as a person. So, you know, whether it's first impression or whether it's after a conversation or whether it's reading and and hearing testimonials from other clients that this trainer's worked with, you need to actually like the person because you're going to be spending a lot of time with them. You need to be able to get along with them, talk with them, have fun with them, be honest with them, um, be vulnerable. I mean, some of these things people don't realize, like in my, at least in my, for, for me personally, in my business, it's extremely, um, personal it's one-on-one it's vulnerable it's honest like it's uncomfortable the things you're going through and I think it just depends I guess I'm gonna kind of turn it over to you for a minute so I stop rambling but it's really dependent on what is your goal as the client what are you trying to achieve okay so if am I just gonna answer the same question kind of yeah I mean do you have any thoughts I mean I feel like I was just kind of rambling no yeah so I mean if I was gonna hire a personal trainer I mean, and, I, and I'll admit this too, when I first got to old school, I was looking, I was really, I really want to do a bodybuilding show. And so I was looking for people to hire, like to be my quote unquote coach um, until I realized how much money that entailed. <laughs> but when I was looking for that, I was looking for number one, people who were legitimate. They had, they had a lot of client testimonials. They knew what they were doing. They were 
practicing what they preach. They were in, in they were in the industry doing well. Um, but then, like you said, the biggest thing I look for is people that I would get along with. And I felt like our, our personalities vibe together. You know what I mean? Like you said, you get, whatever, whatever you're going to do, if you're looking for a uh, personal trainer, um, athletic trainer, physical therapist, whatever it may be, you're going to be spending a lot of time with that person. And you don't want to be dreading going to your appointment or your, your next session. If you're, if you don't like the person, you know what I mean? It's going to, it's going to be something you don't want to go to. And those are the people that are probably fizzle out pretty quickly as well. So you want to make sure you're vibing with that person that you're going to be working with a lot. And you know, if your personality is vibe too, you're going to, you're going to have a better, better mental attitude. You're going to get more accomplished. You're going to have better results. So, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing. I, the personality by far is my, my biggest go-to when I'm looking for somebody to work with, whether that's, um, you know, um, really with anything. And I, even with, like with my with my sessions, as, I, as I've kind of rebranded and re, re- reevaluated how I've done things, I will always talk to like during an initial eval. I'll I try to be as personal as possible because I want to make sure I'm giving them a good vibe. Not not, not that I I don't do that normally, but um, I'm, I always make sure I give them an out to where they are. Like you know, if you if you if you feel like when we're done, if if you feel like I'm not going to get you the best results. Or if I know that I can't help you, or if if I know somebody's going to help you more efficiently, I'm not going to charge you for this hour. You know what I mean? I'm not going to I'm not going to just try to get a quick buck off you, even if I'm not going to work with you in the future. You know what I mean? I want to make sure we're going to be long term, be able to work together well. Yeah, and as as the trainer, you want to be yourself because you don't want to come in and put on a show during that free consultation because you got to you know because you know what it takes to lock them in. And then when they sign up for a three month package and then you show up on day two and you're a completely different person, they're like, well, this isn't what I thought I was signing up for. So you want to be as genuine as possible to the, you know, the person you truly are. And that, and that way they can actually get a read on whether or not, you know, that's something that they want to sign up for. Yeah. You can, I mean, it's pretty easy to kind of get a, get a sense of maybe not so much for young people, but I think where we're at carpets, it's pretty easy to kind of sniff out somebody who's not being, um, not being real. You know, somebody's trying to put on a show, somebody who doesn't have the greatest integrity. I mean, you, you can get, you can kind of uh, sniff that out pretty quickly. So, and that, that, that comes with experience and interacting with a lot of people and getting older as well. Um, so that, that's something you need to keep aware of too, making sure that you're, you're being aware of how they're talking, what they're saying. Um, if they seem interested, because people could talk all they want, but actions speak a lot louder than words too. So, um, you should, you know, keep, keep an eye on their body language, see if that vibes with what they're saying and, and all that good stuff. Okay. So we'll switch up directions a little bit then here with this question. Um, as the trainer, what are the best ways to interact with your clients? Best ways to interact with clients. Well, I mean, in my, in my case, like, like we, like we said, I mean, you, you want to be personable and approachable. I mean, I always, when I'm, even before I meet somebody and, you know, they reach out to me, whether it's for an eval or for some type of injury help or whatever, um, I always try to over deliver at the beginning. And so they have a high expectation because in my head, if they're expecting a lot and expecting me to go above and beyond from the beginning, then I can't let them down the whole way. Um, so I try to over deliver all the time and um go above above and beyond really i mean that, that's that's my biggest thing when i'm interacting with people um you know i do a lot of things that don't have a monetary roi um but because i think that gives the overall better experience to the patient or client or whatever um 
I mean, just, I mean, just to give an example today, I, I met with a guy back home. Uh, I, I went back home specifically to meet with a couple people for injury evaluations and consultations this weekend. And, you know, I told him like, you know, I'm here to do whatever I can to help you. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going I'm to do this injury eval. I'm not going to be here all the time, but I'm going to do, I'm going to get as much information I can in this hour with you. And I'm going to write you up as detailed of a plan as possible, get a video library together for you with all the exercises and things you need to be doing. And I'll check in with you daily, weekly, whatever you want as, as often or as you know, in often as you, as you want to make sure this stuff's going well until we meet again. Um, and I, and I'm not, I'm not going to charge for that. You know what I'm saying? Because in my head, that wouldn't be fair if I'm charging him something that I'm not going to be there, be there with him doing, you know what I mean? So, um, and whether that's as a business, as a, from the business standpoint, that might not be the smartest thing because it does take a lot of time and, you know, in the future, maybe I will charge for that. But at this point right now, I'm at the point where I'm trying to give these, give these guys the best value I can. I think that goes a long way. Not trying to get the quick buck if you're trying to, to build a long-term sustainable business. And um, yeah, I mean that's that's the biggest thing in terms of my, my interaction with with my clients and patients is uh, I want to do everything I can whether whether it makes me a dollar that day or not because long-term I'm trying to help people move better, feel better, perform better, and um, the the money the money that I'm making off that is, is an afterthought to me because I'm doing what I enjoy doing. I'm lucky enough that I'm able to make some money doing it. Um, but the money's not, um, the, the, the driver here. It's not the driver at all. So, um, that, that's kind of where I'm at with that. What about yeah. you, Bart? I like what you said there in the beginning about like the over deliver from the beginning. Cause a big term you hear a lot thrown around is over promise and then over deliver or however you want to hear it worded. You know, some people will say under promise and then over deliver. Um, the, the best one I ever heard was over promise and then over deliver. Um, but I like to even take it one step farther. And for me personally, my mantra is over deliver and then over deliver again and again, because, okay. you know, as a trainer and kind of what we're doing, you know, what, like what, how do you overpromise? I mean, a, a, a client could walk into the gym and say, you know, I want to lose weight and get in shape. And I could say, Oh, I promise you we can do that. <laughs> but you know, people aren't fucking signing up for these kind of packages based on promises. Yeah. So you've got to figure out how you can over deliver from the minute they walk in the door um, of the gym. And that's where I kind of go back to like everything you do when you're a self-employed or when you're a trainer, whatever, whatever the hell it is, even life, you know, whatever, every fucking thing you do in life is advertising for your brand and your personal brand. And your personal brand is so tightly wound into a business that it's not even funny. You know what I mean? Like core part fit is a business that happens inside the walls of the gym, but literally every single thing I do outside of that gym is my personal brand. And it, it's, it, it, I mean, I can't even express how tightly knit that is into the actual business. So from the minute the client walks in the door, um, you know, before they get there for the consultation, if there's fucking leaves on the floor inside the gym, I'm picking up leaves by hand off of the floor because when they walk in, I don't want the first thing to see is all oh, the fucking floors dirty. If there's weights laying on the floor, they're picked up. Like every single thing that you do and every single thing about your gym 
is an advertisement, a first impression. It goes to show who you are. And if a client walks in for an initial consultation with me and the gym's a sloppy fucking mess, there's mud all over the floor, weights are thrown everywhere, and the place looks like a mess and I can't even take care of the gym, how are they supposed to trust me and pay me hundreds of dollars per month to take care of them when I can't even take care, you know, like I think that there's so many of these small things that people overlook that maybe I'm the only one that notices this shit, but if I'm not going to risk it, whenever you only get so many consultations, you know, you only get so many chances and you only get one first impression. And, you know, my average client retention is 14 to 15 months, right? So I'm not going to risk it. You know, maybe that client wouldn't see that leaf on the floor and judge me by it, but I'm not going to fucking take a chance because if it's something as stupid or small as that is what turns them off and I lose that potential client, I've just lost 15 months worth of salary because I was too lazy to fucking pick up a weight that was laying on the floor, you know? So that's the number one thing for me is right from the get go before they even walk in the door. And then after that, like I said, it's over promising or over delivering just again and again and again, and you just continually build on it. And then after you get into the actual, they're signed on and you actually have the clients, that's a whole nother conversation that kind of leads into, um, one of our other, I think we had another question that was kind of like best way to um, communicate with um, with multiple clients or something with, I forget what it was. But do you have anything else, you know, in terms of that? I, I just, I think the huge thing is just over-delivering, over-delivering, over-delivering. Yeah, no, I got nothing to add on that. It was good. So let's, uh, let's go to the next question. So kind of backtracking here, Carp. Um, why, why'd you get into PT in the first place? Um, that's a really good question. I honestly didn't know personal training was a thing, um, until I moved to Columbus, no idea that it even existed. Um, I remember when I first moved to Columbus, I moved into an apartment right across the street from an urban active, which was used to be a chain gym. And I was like, Oh, this, there's personal trainers. Like I didn't have a job. I came up here for school. I ended up being a busboy um, at a restaurant and I was like, I should be a personal trainer. I'm going to be kind of fun. You know, and like that, this was like 10 years ago, just jokingly that no idea. Well, you know, whenever I actually got my shit together and basically joined, you know, the Corey G movement that we all kind of have came under the same umbrella of, and it changed my entire life. I said, I need to do this for other people. And once I got my life together based around the nucleus of fitness in general, which is basically what changed my life, um, I just said that I need, like, I want to do this for other people because if, if I know the impact it had on me and if I could do that for even one other person and then that continues, that chain just continues to fold, uh, I just think that's how real change happens. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um... I think really, I mean, mine, mine stems from wanting to do the same thing that I experienced for other people too, was I got into athletic training, sports medicine, because I had two really serious injuries. Um, my eighth grade year, I missed half my freshman year of soccer, which was a big bummer for me. Um, fractured my calcaneus twice. 
Um, and then the other thing, I, I forget what it was at this point, some kind of soft tissue injury. I, I think it was, I think it was like a lateral hamstring strain or something, but I basically had a really good athletic trainer, um, good family friend who helped me rehab, got me back. And, um, you know, I feel like a million bucks happy to do back to doing what I loved. And really, I just wanted to do, be able to do that for other people. Um, you know, and that, that basically at, at its most pure that at its most pure form, that's why I got into athletic training. I mean, all the business stuff and stuff that I'm getting into now is, is kind of on, on the other hand, just because I want to do it on a bigger scale for more people, not just at a, at a high school. Um, but my, 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 my main underlying driver from the beginning has just been being able to give back to other people, what has been done for me, helping, like I said, helping them feel better, move better, perform better. So, um, I don't really have much more to add on that. Yeah. Yeah, um, we're I guess, and we're trying to I guess do our best to kind of get these to kind of mesh into each other, but we're really just you know hitting these all over the place. So we'll just kind of bounce back and forth and see where it goes. Yeah. Um, the next question I guess we could answer that kind of goes along with it though is how to build a clientele, and I think this is probably going to be pretty similar no matter what kind of business you're running or trying to do. And this is again yeah. both for either if you're a self-employed trainer or even if you're working for a gym, it's going to be the mm -hmm. same. Because even if you're working for a gym, people could come in and request you. And I think it just boils down to, um, aside from social media strategy and things of that nature, um, you know, the, the world moves through social media. So you have to get comfortable with being on social media. You have to be comfortable being honest, open, vulnerable, real, just all of these things. But in terms of building a clientele, I think it's done um through social media i mean it's not done through the fucking newspaper and you're certainly not advertising on the television so um you just got to figure out where at on the internet you want to live and that's got to where you start yeah yeah i, th I think and I, I talk about this in in a handful of those um athletic training entrepreneurial um lectures seminars whatever that i've, that I've been doing recently when i talk to these people the, the biggest way that i've develop the clientele and this goes to my the very first days at old school when I really realized that I wanted I wanted to be self-employed and be my own boss and kind of take my passion into a different realm was I had to start because nobody knew who the hell I was you know what I mean when I was at the gym um I, some people knew I had a sports medicine background um and I my very first initial way of doing that. I didn't even know I was going to try to build up a clientele this way at the beginning, but I just started trying to provide, provide value where I could, if somebody had some kind of nagging thing or whatever, and you know, they were frustrated with it, I would just give them my two cents and some things that I thought could help. And I mean, I would leave it at that. I, you know, I wasn't trying to plug myself or anything. I mean, I, I didn't have anything to plug back then anyways, you know what I mean? I was just trying to help them any way I could. And, you know, I just hung around, got the word out a little bit, help like I said, help people where I could. And I mean, my, mine was honestly a little bit backwards in, in terms of, you know, when people say like, you know, I want to be like, I want to be LeBron James, uh, personal athletic trainer. Like there's been a lot of talk about that guy right now because LeBron literally pays a salary and just takes him wherever he goes from team to team. Um, I was lucky enough to do that basically with Corey from the beginning. He was like my first client that paid me on a regular basis every month, which was really cool. I mean, he was one of my biggest mentors, um, if not the biggest mentor and for, for him to be my first client and, you know, pay me for monthly was, was awesome. But then I used that 
to almost kind of backtrack and then build up my clientele that way as well. Because, you know, it's always, it's always nice to have clients who are well-known because it helps, you know, especially if you do well with them and you're getting them results, the results that they want, you can use that to your advantage in terms of testimonials or by word of mouth as well. Um, but the biggest thing in terms of clientele, I would say, is providing value, not, not expecting anything in return, being able to give things away, give advice away, help people, but not expecting anything back. And if you do that enough and enough and enough, and you know, if, if you, if you give a hundred people advice on something, that hundred and first person would be like, man, I'm having the same issue. I know Todd's helped all these people. I'm going to go ask him. And then when that starts happening another hundred times, then you're like, okay, maybe I can monetize this a little bit and, and make it better and, you know, make it more streamlined and more efficient and better. So that's, that's kind of my thoughts on that. And one from a personal training perspective, um, my one piece of advice to people starting out and trying to build clientele is make sure every single person that you know knows that you're a personal trainer and knows that you do this for a business and not just a hobby. Um, so basically just go into the contacts on your phone and start scrolling and you don't have to cold call or text everyone, but just make sure like, does this person know? Does this person know? And I mean, I'll just say numbers wise, I think, I trained probably 12 to 13 actual paying clients before I ever had my first paying client that was a complete total stranger. So, I mean, best friends, yeah. best friends of, of spouses, family members, friends of family members. I mean, I didn't actually have like a, a client that was a complete total stranger till like I was like, you know, in the double digits of clients. Um, before I ever actually got out there. And that was because by that point, you're just getting like word of mouth and you're start, things are starting to spread because people talk. So just make sure, you know, the, the people that know you, they already obviously like you, um, they trust you, they've seen you, that they know that this has interested you enough for a long time, those kinds of things. Yeah, and that, I think that ties really well into how you, how you interact with your clients too is if people know you're, you're providing a good service and you're helping out and you're willing to do that and you're fun to be around, um, then that's going to be very, very contagious and the word of mouth is going to spread like wildfire. Yeah. Cool, man. So we had another one about best ways to get the word out, but I think that, that kind of that kind of covers that a little bit too. I mean, if you want to go into a little bit of marketing and stuff as well, I know we're, we're, we're trying to kind of gear this towards newer people, but do you want to talk about any marketing or advertising or anything social media-wise on, on that front cart? Um, one thing that I've learned more recently, um, and it was to relate more to the people that you're trying, you know, re relate more to your potential clientele or your potential audience. So not just like giving them advice um, that you think might help them, but giving them experiences to let them know that they're not alone. So I'm talking about you know, some bad habit that they need to kick. I need to not just say like, you need to do better with this. It's, are you struggling with something? Trust me, I know. I was the same exact way. Here's how I got over it. So it's not just standing up on a, on a box preaching to people about the things they suck at and the things they need to get better at. It's relating to them and saying like, you're not alone. I've been there. I overcame it. And that's why I'm here right now is because I want to help you overcome it too. So being more relatable, being more human, um, talking with people and not talking uh, at them. 
Yeah, I mean, vulnerability is one of the best ways to connect with people. If they're, you know, if me and Carper have a conversation, he's scared to tell me something and he maybe kind of tries to, you know, talk maybe a little bit about it. And I'm like, oh man, like I, that, that, I had that, I had that issue for, you know, six months where whatever it may be. I'm like, oh, maybe I'm not the only person dealing with this. And that just opens up a whole new line of communications. I mean, vulnerability. And that's why, I mean, that's, that's why I, I like what I do because I've had a plethora of injuries, luckily nothing extremely serious um, in a long time. Um, but I can always relate to how people are feeling in terms of pain, you know, pain in the shoulder, pain in the leg, pain in the knee, whatever. Um, and when you can kind of get inside their head like that, and that, that's why, that's why, that's why I like injury consultations and evals and stuff are so important to get as much information as you can, because not, and you don't want to make it about yourself, but if you can figure out something that you guys connect on or something you guys have in common, um, you connect, you making that personal connection, um, being vulnerable and, you know, making that, making that link, um, that, that, that will be, that will provide so much more probability that they're going to, you know, refer you on to somebody else if you connect with them on that deeper level. Okay. What motivates you to do what's best for you and stick with fitness long-term? Well, that's a, that's a loaded question. So, I mean, what, what, what motivates me to do what's best for me is my long-term goal of, I want I want to steer a line carpet. I'm going to try not to. I just want to be able to live an awesome life, do what I love to do, help a lot of other people, and be able to provide for my family and for my parents. I mean, um, I mean one, one of my biggest things is to be able to help my parents, um, you know, whether it's retire early or be able to send them on vacations every now and again um, because of everything that they did for me growing up. Uh, I mean, they sacrificed a ton for me monetarily, time-wise. I mean, I would love to be able to do something like that for them in the future. Um, and that, that's basically my driving force. I mean, I want to be able to like, like Corey talks about generational change for his family. I basically want to try to do the same thing, but doing something that I love and positively affecting hundreds of thousands of people in the process of doing that. Um, in terms of what was the second part of that question? Stick um, with fitness long-term. Stick with fitness long-term. I mean, I want to live a long time. You know what I mean? Um, I want to see my kids grow up. I want to see my grandkids grow up. Um, I want to be around Emily for as long as I possibly can. Be around my family for as long as I possibly can. I mean, if you if you want to live if you want to live a long life, let alone a happy life, I mean, I feel I feel like you've got to have some type of fitness in there because um, it makes you feel better. I mean, it 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 directly translates to every other facet of life. I mean, I know. I mean, I I think I put it in a post a while ago too, like. In terms of the, my gym stuff, 2018 was a big L for me in terms of my numbers and everything. And my, I wasn't working out as much. I was at the gym, but a lot of my workouts were getting cut into by, by client appointments and client sessions, which I, I have no problem doing. But I knew I was sacrificing that. And I didn't feel as good. You know what I mean? I, I felt a little bit more sluggish throughout the day. I didn't feel as good you know, about how I looked or how I felt. Um, so there's some things I might change in the future about that. But I, like, I know like sticking with fitness long-term is an afterthought for me because I know I have to do it to be able to long-term be around for a long time and be happy and healthy. Yeah. I mean, as far as what motivates you to do what's best for you, like if you, I don't want to say this the wrong way and hurt anyone's feelings, but for me personally, what motivates me to do what's best for me is happiness. And if you can't be motivated to make yourself happy, then I don't really know what to say 
um, to you because if you can't do something for yourself, how do you expect anyone else to do anything for you? How do you expect to do anything for anyone else? Uh, I mean, stick with fitness long-term. The thing I don't like, I mean, motivation gets thrown around so often and I kind of um, was planning on talking about this next week anyway, just because it's that time of year. Um, but motivation only gets you so far. Like motivation only gets you started. And, you know, I can wake up every day motivated as fuck to do what I want to do and, and live this life that makes me happy and everything. Um, and I do, but in terms of a fitness journey and sticking with fitness long-term, like motivation is what gets you off the couch and into the gym. Um, but dedication is what keeps it going. You know, you're, if you only worked out when you were motivated to work out, we would probably work out once or twice a month, but dedication, that's where you actually stick with something long-term because if you can dedicate yourself to something, to see it through, you're not going to quit on the days that you don't feel like it. I think, and I, I literally just thought of this, so this might not be the greatest analogy, but if you think about motivation, it's almost like it's like an energy drink. You know, you, you drink that energy drink, you feel pumped up for 15, 20, 30 minutes, you're ready to go, you're excited, and then what happens after that? You crash. Then maybe you drink another energy drink, you have another 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes of hype, you're ready to go, you're being productive, getting things done. And what happens after that? You crash. If you're drinking energy drinks all the time and you're not, you're not fueling your body with food, you're just going to go from 30 minute to 30 minute to 30 minute of short spurts of maybe you're doing, you're getting some things done, but long-term that's not sustainable. If you're like, and you know what I'm saying? Like if, if you don't have the underlying driving force or you don't have that food that's fueling you, you're not going to get anywhere in the long term. You know what I mean? It's just one of those short term, like things people do, you know what I mean? Right, exactly. I I wasn't gonna talk about this. I actually wrote this little um, I wrote this little I don't want to call it a poem, but I wrote this little excerpt for myself. Um, and I might as well, since we're talking about this, I might as well share it right now. Yes. But <laughs> so I called it I called this excerpt finish your puzzle. Okay. So you know you're motivated for a few days and then you fall off. You get you get inspired by someone from the internet, you get back on it. And then after a few more days, you fall off again. All right, sound familiar? We all know somebody or we've all been at somebody, right? But so many people rely on extrinsic motivation to get, them, to get them to reach their goals. They're constantly looking out into the world for inspiration to achieve their greatness. I'm not saying it's totally wrong. There's a piece of the puzzle that's missing. This piece isn't something that's found out in the world. This piece is found only within yourself. This piece is called dedication. So motivation is like the corner pieces of the puzzle. It's not hard to find, but can only get you started. Inspiration is like the outer edges. You find these periodically and they help you pick you up when you're struggling. Dedication is the pesky little pieces in the middle. This is what it's gonna take for you to finish your masterpiece. Motivation and inspiration will come and go over and over again. But until you dedicate yourself to putting together all of the pieces, no matter how long it takes, you'll never get to that final vision. Boom, we should end the episode right there. That was freak. That was freaking awesome, dude. I like that a lot. So, if you're someone that can kind of relate to this right now, my final excerpt is: It's time to stop looking out into the world, hoping, wishing that you can find enough motivation to keep your journey going. It's time to dedicate yourself to the journey. If you open the box and started flipping the pieces over, then it's obvious you'd like to see what this puzzle looks like when it looks like when it's all finished. 
I love that, man. That was awesome. But yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I mean, motivation is only going to get you started and you can use it to get started and you can use it to, you know, to jump and light that fire and get you moving. But you got to, you can't rely on that because it's not always going to be there. And that's just the cool reality. Yeah. If you're, if you're relying on a 10 minute video to get you pumped up every day, then you, that, 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 that something's missing. That puzzle piece is missing. So that's, that's really cool. Um, kind of tying into that, we had another question about, um, how to overcome being tired, waking up at two thirty every day. Um, you know, how, I, I guess he, it was a kind of long paragraph. He's basically asking how to, how do I get the tire tiredness out of me or, um, how do, how do I combat that? Kind of goes back to the same thing in my opinion, but. Yeah. So this was, I, this, I, I like this one cause it, it made me feel good inside. How do you overcome being tired waking up at 2.30 every day? It would be hard as fuck for me. And I feel like after a while, it'd be easy for me to skip a day here or there. Because of the tiredness gets the best out of me. In other words, how do you wake your ass up even when you're not feeling like it? I missed that part. I'm sorry. So we just basically went, you know, we just talked about this. But if you get tired, which I feel like this is another thing that's been thrown around a lot. You know, there's a difference between sleepy and tired. And if you're tired and you can't get yourself up out of bed, um, then you just need to realize that you're you're not cut out for it. And you're, you know, um, mediocrity, average, you know, things of that nature, that those are the kinds of things that that people get tired of. And if you want to do um, extraordinary things, amazing things and great things, you know, just, you should be, I don't want to say motivated enough, but you need to be inspired enough that, you know, no matter how tired you think you may feel, you can't stop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I talked to these guys and I had some really cool conversation about this with them. I, I I think they might actually get memberships at old school, which would be pretty cool. A couple of high school kids doing that. Um, but the biggest thing I told them the one day they were talking about, you know, money for the membership and the jobs they're trying to get so they can, you know, obviously have some, some spending cash. I just said the biggest thing is investing in yourself. And when I was talking to them about that, we were talking about money, but I mean, time, time's our most important commodity. You know what I mean? Um, and, I, and it was funny because they, they, they were talking to me this later in the day, they went home and they're like, it's only seven o'clock in the morning. I feel like I've, I've been up for, you know, forever. My days feel so much longer now. I get so much more done. And I mean, that's one of the cool things about waking up so early, but day after day, when you have to get up, whatever time it is, two thirty, three, three thirty, 30, um, you got to remember that you're investing that time in yourself and you're, whether that's, you know, self-development on, on the car ride to the gym or the gym itself, um, all of that is compounding to you reaching that long-term goal. And you know, but you got to have, like you said in the, in the last the last question, you've got to have the underlying discipline to be able to do that, because you can listen to all the you can listen to all the music you want on however long your drive is to the gym to get pumped up. But if you don't have that underlying intrinsic um, thing that's that's getting you there. Um, there's only so much music, so much coffee, so much pre-workout that can get you going there every single day at 2.30. So um, it, it really, to me, it just kind of goes back to that, you know, what, what's in your gut, you know? Yeah, and I don't, you know, 
not to try not trying to put anyone down that asks this question because it's a question you get all the time. You know, people say I'm crazy for waking up at 2.30 in the morning. That's just because I'm a morning person. I find myself saying other people are crazy if they go to the gym at 9 p.m. And it's the same exact thing. It's just on the opposite end. So everyone has their preferences on their schedule and their timing. And just because I wake up early doesn't make my schedule any any cooler or better than the person that works at night. Like there's there's no rules that say you have to wake up at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning to succeed. It's just you have to find, you know, your scenario is going to be different than someone else's and you have to figure out, you know, what works. So it's not, it's not to downplay anyone that says that 2.30 and 3 o'clock is too early because, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's, 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 yeah, I mean, it's fucking early. <laughs> I'm, get up tomorrow at it's early. I'm dreading it. You know, I mean, I'm not looking forward to it. It's fucking hard. It doesn't get easier. And never yeah. not get easier. Yeah, no, I like that question because, it, I mean, it, he asked specifically about the time. I think I, it was because I, I, t- I told him that I wanted to ask you that and he wanted to know what your answer was going to be. But the time's not the, the biggest concept for that question. It's basically how, how do you want to do things when you don't feel like it? And, I mean, we, I, we, gave, we gave the answer to that, but it doesn't have to be 2.30. It may not be 2.30 for some 90% of you who are listening to this podcast, but – if you get, you know, if you get that two two thirty feeling at work at your nine to five, and you know you get three more hours of work, and you got to go home and work on your business for another four or five hours when you get home, that's the same exact thing. How do you how do you get how do you get home and still be productive and work on what your long term goal is for those next four or five hours after you already put eight or nine hours in that day? I mean, it's the same exact thing. Don't get hung up on the time because the the message is all the same. Yeah, and it, and something I find myself saying a lot when people because this conversation comes up you know a fairly decent amount and I always use the phrase create your own adversity um so what I mean by that is that I create my own adversity and for me right now my biggest adversity is sleep and rest and I choose that over the stress of finances so what I'm saying is I'm working two full-time jobs right now and I don't have any fucking stress over finances. I have car payments, insurances, house payments. Like I have these things because I'm an older in the I'm an older age in the journey than some. So I create the adversity of less sleep to alleviate the adversity that most people have when they start a business, which is money. And how do I make ends meet? And how am I gonna put food on the table? I don't have to worry about that. I need to worry about sleep. So it's up to you. But if you're intentional and create your own adversity, you get to pick. So I am, am I walking around like a zombie a lot of days? Yes. But will you ever hear me complain and say I'm tired? No, because I choose it and I bring it on myself and I'm okay with it and I've accepted it. What we got next? Well, it kind of can lead into the importance of surrounding yourself with motivated people. Yeah, we got a couple, couple mentor questions. And uh, yeah, just wrapping this up. So, um, I mean, the, <laughs> we've talked about this probably on half the episodes we've had on, we've had on here. I mean, good, good mentors and surrounding yourself with other motivated people is extremely important. Um, you still got to have the underlying driving force like we talked about. But if you have that underlying discipline, the underlying driving force, and you surround yourself with even just two or three other people, you know, your five closest friends or whatever, that have that same motivation, that same whatever, 
I mean, that'll 10 X what you're able to do. Um, because I mean, one of my, one of my favorite things about the podcast carp is we, we always kind of BS and talk 10 or 20 minutes before the episodes and you know, 10 or 20 minutes after the episodes. And I love talking to people like you, like Corey G, like Leaf, like Zach, like all the guys from the gym, because every time I talk, if it's, if it's a two or three sentence conversation or a 20 minute conversation, I always take something away. If you're, if you're surrounding yourself with people like that, you're constantly learning things. Like, um, there's not, there's not a lot of pointless conversations. I mean, you know, we all like to joke around and have fun sometimes, but we're always learning. We're always developing. We're always kind of pushing each other to the next level. And if you're not surrounding yourself with people who have the same intentions or the same goals, um, you're, you're really just kind of missing out on a lot of, a lot of learning and a lot of, uh, really self-propulsion yeah to break it down to the most basic level um because we could get into the higher ups of all of the different um conversations and growth and mindsets and things but to break it down to the smallest level for i know for me in my scenario and i have friends that are still back home um that funnel through me into the higher ups as well is like you said you know the guys that were from like a small rural town and don't know anything outside of that. So if yep. you don't get outside of your bubble, you don't know there's an outside world. Like I literally probably wouldn't be in Columbus if my second year of radiology school, my brother didn't quit being an x-ray tech and go to the coal mine. I had a hundred percent intentions of living in my hometown for the rest of my fucking life. My brother quit the job that I was trying to go to school for and went to the coal mine, and that was my light bulb. This is fuck. Where you got to get out of here? I moved to Columbus. Had I not had that not happened, I would have never been opened up to any of this world that we're now in. And now I get to funnel this and filter this back to the younger guys that are coming up in my hometown and say, like, yo, like there is this world out there. So you know, break like I said, breaking it back to that level, that smallest, that smallest degree that we're talking here like if you don't get around these people you don't know this stuff exists yeah yeah i mean i know a lot of, a lot of these questions are coming from the same guys and i know they're gonna listen to this because i told them i sent them the link like you just got to get out and experience things if you're if you're in your same little bubble um your same little town for your entire life um i mean you could be you could be successful you could make good money have a happy life and all that but like the amount of unknowns and the people that you could have met and things that you could have done and the experience you could have had, like that kind of stuff drives me crazy when I think about it, if I wouldn't have moved where I'm at or done what I've done. Um, so you got to think about that too. Like everybody in a small town, a lot of them think the same way and you're not going to get a lot of other exter external feedback and different ideas and different motivations and different, um, you know, different people, different experiences, because they've all kind of been in the same place for a long period of time. And that's, that's like that with any small town. We're not talking about certain places in, in, in particular. Um, so you, you just need to get out and experience different things because you, I mean, it, it'll, it'll affect you and it, it'll, it'll propel you forward more than you could ever imagine it would. And even to the next step, I mean, after moving to Columbus, I lived in Columbus for five, six years before I even had, any of this mindset shift that I do now. So it's not even just being in a small rural town. You can even, I mean, you could be living in Columbus, no matter where you're at in the world, wherever your focus goes, your energy flows. So 
even if you don't want to be some big self-employed driven entrepreneur, you just want to live, work your normal nine to five job. That's completely okay. But you're never going to be happy in that job. If everyone that you're surrounded by is negative, pessimistic and hates your fucking life. Like it is completely okay to work a nine to five job Monday through Friday and have your holidays and weekends off and be happy as long as you're surrounded by positive, abundant, happy people. If you're surrounded by negative, pessimistic, fucking head down, shoulder shrugged all the time, people, that's how you're going to be. So you don't have to be around these like people that are always on this high level, 110% effort type shit. You just need to be aware of who you're surrounding yourself with in general. Good deal. And just to spin off that real quick, um, do you want to, do you want to mention any specific mentors you've had that have affected you? Or you now really want to get into that? Uh, I mean, I, I, honestly, I mean, everyone has their own mentors, you know, we can talk, you know, Corey Gregory's been a mentor of both of us. That's how we met. Um, aside from that, um, you gotta, I think you can look closer. I think I talk so much about these mentors I've learned from, from books or whatever it may be, but like, you know, taking it all the way back to step one, like I had extremely, I mean, we both did had extremely amazing mentors in both of our parents that we don't really talk about nearly enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to get into too much of that, but you know, we each yeah. get from our parents that we're extremely grateful and proud of. And then other than that, you just got to find the people that you resonate with and the people that um, you can relate to to learn from. Yeah. I'm on, yeah, I'm on the same page. I don't really want to get too wrapped up into all that because I don't want to take away from 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 the episode and we're 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 uh we're moving right along so i just want to keep keep moving so we're, we're, we're about at the end of this uh, one of the one of the last couple questions we have is what would you recommend the best book to start off with for personal development i always recommend this people's first starter book it's not even in my top five favorite books ever but i always recommend the compound effect by darren hardy um, a couple reasons one i'm partial to it because it's the first book i ever read on my own personal journey um, two, because I think it applies to no matter what you want to do in life, whether it's relationship, job, personal, like anywhere you go, the compound effect applies. And especially if you want to be a personal trainer, at least in my niche of weight loss and general health and fitness, the compound effect is so important to people's fitness journeys. If you can't relate to it and you can't teach it, and help other people understand it, they're not going to have success in their journeys. So the compound effect by Darren Hardy is just, I mean, I had my, my nephew's 12 years old and I gave it him to read. So, I mean, I, it's, I recommend it for everybody. Good deal. And my, mine are basically, and like you said, this is just because it was my first book I ever read was like first development book I ever read, you know, three, three and a half years ago, whenever it was, was uh, Corey's mindset manual. Um, it was really cool just because it, it it's it's an easy read you know it's not super long and it, it's cool because there's like workbook sections in it too where you can literally after the chapter what he talks about there's lines where you can write and self-reflect on that about where you're at right now like I, I told him a couple of weeks ago I looked through it and some of the stuff that I was writing down when I was reflecting on each chapter was hilarious because it was so low level things that re- really didn't matter and that I was kind of worried about and scared about then um because it's something you can always look back and reflect on as well years down the road to kind of think about where you came from and everything too. So I'd recommend the mindset manual because it's just a really cool, easy read. And I mean, there's great, there's great uh, content value in there too. So that's probably my recommendation. 
Cool. Let's um, bring this thing home here with one of our, our last question from Instagram. Um, and this came from a personal trainer. So that's the context that it was written in, but I think it would get spin it to a couple of different directions. And how do we set the question reads, how do we separate real trainers from self-proclaimed think they know it all trainers? You want to take that one, Todd? Real trainers are self-proclaimed. Self-proclaimed what? What was the word? Know-it-all trainers. Know-it-all know trainers. Um, really, I would just say, number one, I mean, you you could probably go to an eval if you're looking for somebody to work with, and you probably go to an eval and determine that from what kind of questions they're asking you, what type of things they're having you do, and that type of thing. Um, you want to look at their body of work, um, what their client success rate has been, like, and obviously, if you're a new, if you're a new trainer, new athletic trainer, whatever, um, you're gonna, you know, if you, if you if you're training your first client, you're not gonna have anybody to have testimonials for. So you got to keep that in mind as well. But if they've been doing this for a year, or two years, or three years, and they claim to be an expert, and they don't have one person that can say anything good about them, you know, that's a red flag. Um, just see what their certifications are. I, I, we, I know we talk about, you know, certifications don't mean a ton, but they do sometimes. And you know, if they if if, if they're just saying they're a personal trainer because they can have a they they have a good squat, good bench, good deadlift. You know, that's great for them. But if they can't teach it, they don't know the right accessories to do. They don't know, you know, what kind of movement mechanics you should have with that. Because there's a lot of people that pull heavy weight and they're not doing it right. You know what I mean? So you got to kind of look at their full encompassing body of work to see if they're really uh, kind of who they say they are. Yeah, I think too, um, from that perspective of the potential client. Um, you see so many times, especially in Instagram, you know, someone can post a mirror selfie of some dude that's jacked and tan with an eight pack. That doesn't mean that they're a good trainer. That means that they can follow a program. And I hate to break it to the world, but trainers, I don't want to say this wrong. Programs can work for anybody what and if if a personal trainer writes up a program and says so and so did my eight week program and had these results, it's not because your program is fucking groundbreaking. Like programs are programs are programs and they fucking work for everybody if the people follow them. So what makes, in my opinion, what makes a trainer? And again, this is going to be specialty based and niche based. But what makes a good trainer, in my opinion, at least for the world I live in, isn't, you know, the, the exercises that are programmed. It's getting the fucking client to do the program and to follow the program and understand the program and stick with the fucking program. You know, I mean, so many times I feel like we see like this eight week, 12 week, whatever, so and so, you know dropped 20 pounds in eight weeks following my exercise program. It's not because your exercise program changed the fucking world. It's because so-and-so quit drinking fucking diet Coke and quit eating Doritos every day. That's why they lost 20 pounds. It's not because your program was fucking groundbreaking. So just because someone has abs on their selfies on Instagram, I mean, that helps because it shows that they live it but that doesn't mean that they can get you to live it too. Yeah. You just got to look at their whole body of work. I think I think that's, that's the biggest key. And, and I think, like I said, if you're, if you're looking for somebody, you can learn a lot with, 
how they um, project themselves in your initial eval or whatever, um, what they're asking you, what they're what they're saying they can do, um, what their personality is like, like we talked about a couple of times throughout the episode. So you got to look at all that. From a personal trainer's perspective, too, I just want to throw out there because I see this happen a lot because I this this was me at one point um, to an extent in my life and um trying to like as a personal trainer trying to separate like who is a real trainer and who's a fake trainer and and kind of getting all hung up on people because I think personal training gets such a bad reputation it seems like these days and a lot of other personal trainers might say it's because the industry is flooded um because everyone thinks they can be a personal trainer um if they put it in their Instagram bio and I just think it's the wrong mentality to take and I think it's the wrong attitude to have towards um, health and fitness in the industry in general. Um, I think there's like billions of people in the world. And if you think there are too many personal trainers, that's just because you're a personal trainer and you see it because you're around it all of the time. Um, as the general population out in, the world, out in the world, they don't walk around seeing personal trainers everywhere like you or I do. Um, my Instagram is full of other personal trainers because that's what I do and that's my interest. So I see all of that. But a random person scrolls through Instagram, their, their feed isn't full of fucking personal trainers. So I don't think it's flooded. I don't think there is too many. Um, I just think that if you think that way, you want to adjust and try to reframe your mindset from a scarcity to more of an abundant mindset, uh, more of a positive mindset. And if you're focused on what other people are doing, you're not able to focus on what you're doing. And when your energy and your focus is going in the wrong direction, it's hard for you to go in the right direction as a human. So um, I had a big breakthrough with this over the past year, and it's kind of been life-changing for me. And it's just more focusing on what I'm doing, doing the best job that I can, being the best that I can. And um, as far as you know, the fake, I mean, there is a lot of fake out there, don't get me wrong. But I always tell people, let God sort them out. You know, in time, the fake people are going to get sniffed out. They're not going to last. They're going to, you know, they're going to fall off. Um, real is going to rise to the top eventually. And if you're real and you're patient, you'll end up at the top. Yeah, like Maurice Claret said a long time ago, don't count other people's money. Don't worry about it. You're only going to stretch yourself out. Yeah, nothing what does he say now? Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing real can be threatened. Yep. Nothing unreal exists. That's right. All right, guys, we want to thank you for tuning into the show. We hope you enjoyed it and took something from it. If you did, please give us a rating and a positive comment on iTunes. If you're on Instagram right now, screenshot this episode and post it on your story. We would love to interact with you and get your thoughts. So be sure to tag us on your picture at Todd Sports Med and at Core Fit. Thank you again, and we'll catch you next time.